we're back with another episode of Sports and Whatnot. Today we'll kind of hop all around the sports landscape. To start things off, we'll talk about James Harden and the rapid rise of the Houston Rockets out west. And then from there, we will move on to the NFL playoffs and the quarterback situations there. And uh, after that, we'll hit the college sports scene and we'll talk about uh, football in the playoffs and then the college basketball prospects for the upcoming 2019 NBA draft. So it should be a good show. Stick around. I have lots to tell you today. So James Harden and the Houston Rockets are on a tear right now. They are winners of nine of their last ten basketball games. You know, James Harden's on a tear. He's playing his brand of basketball, making shots. Uh, doing some ridiculous stuff out there, getting to the free throw line uh, an insane amount of times. You know, it's not it's not what you would call pretty basketball. It's whatever he needs to do to win, and that is do some questionable things on the basketball court that catches him a lot of flack on the social medias and whatnot, and uh, from some talk show hosts and podcasters alike, but. You know, my thing with James Harden is they're winning basketball games. And do you expect a player, uh, an MVP caliber player, to not do everything in his power to win basketball games? I I understand if you don't enjoy watching it. I don't enjoy watching it. It's not fun. You know, he, they, his free throws slow the game down so much. Um he gets away with some calls he draws a lot of fouls that are just like ridiculous and make you question the rules of basketball Um, and speaking of that I would like to address one thing about fouls that I have thought about for a while now and that is when an offensive player pump fakes and gets a defensive player up in the air and jumps broad jumps basically into the player uh into the defensive player to draw a foul i think at some point in the near future that they're going to take a look at that and probably change that rule up a little bit uh, i don't think that an offensive player should be allowed to jump sideways or contort their body into a defensive player initiating contact and still have it called a foul I believe that laterally they shouldn't be able to uh, move like that to uh, initiate contact with a defensive player. It should just be if the defensive player is impeding the space of the shooter going forward towards the basket in a natural shooting motion. You know, people don't broad jump to shoot jumpers. Uh, One reason why they should change that is because it kind of messes with the flow of the game you know, when usually when you get a guy pump faking and the defense makes that jump and blows by him, either the offensive player uh, penetrates the defense and then the defense has to react and then the offense is allowed to sort of whip it around the horn and get that pretty basketball sequence that people love to watch. Or the shooter nowadays is becoming more common. The shooter uh, takes a side uh, step and releases a three. Uh, an open three because the defenders ran by and uh, some of those pretty plays that we like seeing are 
being left out there because of foul hunting. But be that as be that as it may, uh, back to James Harden. You know he is a fantastic basketball player, and they needed a spark because they have been very lackluster this season, um, especially with Chris Paul going down. They need something to go their way, and James Harden's just taking over and doing whatever he can to win basketball games. And you can't judge him for that because he, he's winning the games. So, um, you know, not pretty, but it is what it is, and he's getting the results. So I think we need to do a little bit of more respect. We need to have a little more respect for James Harden. Okay, so uh, the NFL playoffs, of course, start this week. And it has been well documented that the top, the six highest paid NFL quarterbacks are missing out on participating in the postseason. And they are, of course, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, and Derek Carr. Um, you know, you have, you have guys being paid near $30 million here. And uh, that this highlights the fact that... It is hard to compete, hard to put together a playoff-worthy team when you have to pay uh, one position that much money, when you have to dedicate that much money to a, to a one singular player. Uh, but that's the state of the NFL. Uh, you just have to overpay to get your guy because that's what they're worth. The inflated, pl- the inflated price is going to be upwards of $30 million now, and that's just what you're going to pay. So, I believe um, we're going to start seeing this trend of NFL teams highlighting uh, their guys early on in the NFL draft process, and there's going to be a premium on selecting the right guy. Uh, We're going to see more and more resources dedicated into picking guys in the draft, picking quarterbacks, getting that position right, because the optimal time to win at Super Bowl is early on in a quarterback's career when you don't have to dedicate money to them. We saw that in Seattle with Russell Wilson. Uh, the thing is, with quarterbacks, is you expect them to be great enough to uh, lift team, lift their entire team over a superior talent just because of their greatness. But that becomes harder and harder the more money you have to dedicate to them because you can have several game-changing players. You can pay several game-changing players for what you had to pay these quarterbacks and so you have to dedicate that money early on before you pay them you have to pay the right people to come in and help your team win a Super Bowl and we're going to see that more and more Um, we should see that with the Kansas City Chiefs you know they have Patrick Mahomes on a cheap deal they have they have a great chance to win a Super Bowl this season you know, their defense is not great, and I would expect them to pay more money to upgrade that because their window is now. Because Patrick Mahomes isn't just a gimmick quarterback. He's a great quarterback, and you're going to have to pay him great quarterback money when his rookie deal runs out. And that's going to be a lot. I don't know what that's going to be, but it's going to be a lot. And you're not going to be able to afford guys that you're going to need going forward. The That gap is it's just going to get larger and larger and it's going to be harder and harder for quarterbacks to overcome uh, teams because their teams aren't going to be worth anything. You're just going to have to find a lot of diamonds in the rough on 
rosters and in camps and stuff to be able to compete. You're going to, have to there's going to be a lot of luck involved in it, and uh, you know, talent evaluators uh, they much prefer getting sure things and paying quality players than having to find guys like that. So uh, moving forward in the NFL, we're going to see lots of swings for the fences at quarterback. We are going to continue seeing the NFL postseason be filled with tons of young passers with a few veteran quarterbacks mixed in. And that's kind of where the NFL stands apart from some other leagues and the fact that uh, some leagues like Major League Baseball will be willing to overpay their stars. You know, someone's going to pay Bryce Harper an obscene amount of money to uh, have days where he strikes out a lot or goes hitless, uh, all for the fact of that he's an exciting player that will fill the stands on a Tuesday afternoon 162 times a year. The college football playoff is underway. The semifinal games and the New Year's Six Bowls, they're all complete. And if the playoff from this year has taught us anything, it's that college football is a long way off from getting the most out of their postseason that they could be. Um, You know, the... The Oklahoma Alabama game was ended up being okay. Uh, wasn't anywhere near competitive early, um, and then the Notre Dame Clemson game was ugly. It was not a good showing for Notre Dame and not a good showing for the playoff. Um, you know, one of my biggest issues, my one of my big qualms if you will, with the playoff is we had, uh, we used to have these teams like Boise State, these great Boise State teams, and you can probably see where I'm going with this, but um, we had these teams, these non-Power 5 teams, uh, have great seasons and, you know, undefeated seasons, and we couldn't put them in the national title game because there was uh, some teams ahead of them that we thought, you know, uh, they're either also undefeated and from a Power 5 conference or they're like a one-loss team. And we said, well, they're probably not one of the two best teams in the country, so we can't put them in there. So now we have this football, that we have this playoff, and we think, oh, now maybe we can like give them a chance in the playoff. And if if they fall flat on their face, they fall flat on their face. At least they're not in the title game doing that. And we have UCF, who two years in a row doesn't get the invite after an undefeated season and you've had absolute flops in the semifinal games and you wonder like why the hell is this happening because you know UCF could lose by 30 points just as well as Notre Dame can it's if we're gonna have a playoff let's let's do this thing right let's put the teams in it that um, need to be in the playoff that have a reason for being in the playoff. Uh, you know, Notre Dame obviously undefeated. They deserve to be there. Uh, and if you feel that Oklahoma deserved to be there, you thought Ohio State should have a shot to play for a national title game. UCF, uh, some of those teams 
why don't we expand it? Why don't we just, uh, why don't we just make this whole thing a bigger playoff? Uh, it'd certainly be more entertaining for the fans. You know, you don't have many people getting up for the craft fight hunger bowl or whatever. You know, it's not those early bowl games aren't fun for anyone. Uh, they don't really. You don't really start caring all that much until the last few days of the bowl season leading up to the New Year's Bowls. Um, so why not make this a bigger deal? Why won't we expand it? Why don't we make the playoff bigger? Or better yet, let's just flip the whole thing on its head and come up with something new. Um, maybe we do something like uh, get rid of conference championships games and just take every power five conference winner we take every power five conference winner outright conference winner put them in a playoff and then include every other 10 or 11 win team from around the country and make a big playoff system and then if you feel uh that other we raise a benchmark from six a six win team making a bowl to an eight win team making a bowl that way, uh, all the other outside bowls are more competitive and funner to watch, and we only have the best of the best playing. We don't have a diluted product. Um, you know, that's just that's just me shooting the breeze, trying to think of something. But uh, I think that there has been a lot left on the table this bowl season. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more that pe- that the committee and uh, the college football playoff could do to further advance itself as a top tier product, and it's not there right now. It uh, it's just lacking, and they need to do something uh, to make it a more viable product. And uh, whether it be expand the playoff, come up with something new, I don't know, but I feel like changes are on the way in the new in the near future. Okay, so finally, in this last segment, we're going to talk about some of the 2019 NBA draft prospects. Uh, At the top of this draft, I feel like it's a little thin. Uh, Obviously, you have have some guys up there that everyone's uh, clamoring to get. Uh, They really want them. Uh, And those are my, those are the green light guys that think you pull the trigger on no matter what uh, so obviously you have Zion Williamson athletic freak uh, you, you know you don't know what he's gonna be but you, you know it's gonna be exciting uh, everyone's gonna want to watch it and he should be probably the consensus number one at this point but RJ Barrett is not far off another like if you're going to guess and superstars from this draft, those are one and two. Uh, and then the, my number three guy that I would have at the top of this draft, uh, if you don't have Zion and you don't have RJ Barrett, then uh, you can feel good about drafting Cam Reddish. You know, he is playing with these guys right now, and he has been the third wheel. Uh, he's still produced as a third wheel. You know, he, we haven't got to see the full extent of his talent. He hasn't 
got to play with the ball in his hands as much as you'd like to see, but, you know, obviously he's playing with the two of the better players in the country right now, so that's kind of hard to do. Uh, his shooting has been a little up and down, but there's enough there to make you believe that he'll be a good NBA jump shooter. Um, so those three guys at the top, I feel confident about them. Beyond that Duke trio, at the top of this draft, I believe we have two different groups of guys. I think we have a group of guys that are question marks that we're not sure what they are going to bring to the pro game, but uh, lottery teams will be willing to roll the dice on. And then we have a group of guys that I think are going to be very good players, but not necessarily uh, NBA superstars, but they have talent to be good players right now right away um so in that question mark group we have some guys we have a guy like kevin porter out of usc we haven't really got to see him because of injuries uh we hope to see him later in the season see what he's got going there um you know we don't know what he's going to be yet but a team will for sure roll the dice on him high um I don't know how high, probably inside the top five right now, if I had to guess. Uh, you know, maybe you hear whisperings that maybe some teams like him more than Cam Reddish. Um, I'm not sure if it's at that point right now. Uh, but he's a big question mark. We don't, we're not sure yet. Um, and then we have a guy like Bull Bull. He is a very tall very thin player who is dealing with uh, injuries right now so we don't know how he's going to hold up and we also don't know how well all his traits are going to transfer to the pro game uh, right now you have to be very pleased about what he's brought to Oregon he's produced across the board uh, he's shot the ball well uh, he has played well but this injury the injuries he's experiencing now are concerning because you like to you want to be able to know that he will hold up against top tier NBA talent down low and right now we just don't know and those are that's a huge question mark there if you're going to spend a lottery pick on him another player from the question mark group would be Nasir Little from North Carolina uh, right now he definitely looks like he is struggling to fit in there in North Carolina. He doesn't he doesn't look like he matches Roy Williams' system. Uh he, he kind of you you watch him and you get the you kind of get the idea that he would be better suited in an environment where he got to uh be isolated and facilitate through his hands a lot more than what uh Roy Williams would like to do. And then you also get the feeling that he's trying to press and make things happen. Um, you know, that should be something that he'll improve on in time. He has athleticism. Um, he is a player that was mentioned right up there with that Duke trio coming into the season. But right now we don't know because he hasn't, he hasn't produced at the college level yet. Um, so will a team roll the dice on him early? Yes. Are they going to be as confident as they were a few months ago? No. But uh, he still will be a lottery pick. Uh, and then 
after Nasir, I have a guy like Darius Garland. Uh, you know, he was very impressive in what very little we saw from him. What was it, like three or four games, I believe. Uh, he's a small player. You wonder if he'll hold up in the NBA health-wise. And you like to think so because he is a very skilled player. He's uh, a good shooter. You know, he has all the skills to make it in the NBA, just maybe not an NBA body. Uh, so for there, you like to look at guys like Steph Curry and maybe hope he follows in that mold. Uh, but you don't know. As is the common theme with guys in front of him, you don't know. Um, and then we have Ja Morant. He is a personal favorite of mine from this draft. I really like him, but you don't... If he's going to be successful, he's going to be successful in the vein of guys like Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook and John Wall, you know, non-shooting point guards. Um, he's shooting below 30% from three this season, but uh, he has been an outstanding two-point shooter. He's shooting over 60 percent I believe right now or at 60% from two which is very impressive uh, he scores the ball very well he passes it he rebounds uh, he is a gifted basketball player um, but you're not sure especially at the modern day and age if if those point guards will continue those non-shooting point guards will be able to continue to be successful and you also worry about how well they will hold up and if teams will take that to, into account when drafting non-shooting point guards, seeing as John Wall is missing the season this season, uh, we all know the history with Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook looks slowed. You wonder if teams will take that into account when uh, having John Morant on their draft boards. So in the good player but not necessarily superstar player group. I have some names like Romeo Langford out of Indiana. I've watched him play. He's been he's been really good. He he plays a little bit bigger than what he is. He um I believe he's six five, like two fifteen. Uh so solid player, um, physically wise. But he shoots the ball well, he handles it well, he's a good combo guard. Um he looks like a player that is going to be a good piece on a good team. I don't think he's going to take off and be a superstar, but out of the group of good non-superstar players, I think he is the most likely to become one. Um, from Romeo Langford, I would like to go to Keldon Johnson from Kentucky. I, I don't think, I don't see him ever becoming a superstar in the NBA. I do see him being a consistent uh, scorer from the two-guard position. He looks like um, a perfect off-guard scorer for the modern NBA. You know, I think he his shooting will continue to pick up as he goes on, and uh, he'll be a good player someday somewhere. And I think he'll be a player that will be good right away. Um, he doesn't have the upside as some of the other guys in this draft, but I think he will be good right away. Um, then DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. I really like this dude's game. You know, he handles the ball well enough. He shoots it. He defends multiple positions. He reminds me a lot of Trevor Ariza. 
Um, he uh, is going to be a good player. He's a good player right now. I think he is an immediately he's an immediate plug in and play guy, but I don't see superstar potential there. I see Trevor Ariza as his archetype in the NBA. Um, another guy who will probably be a little later in the lottery. I think he'll probably catch in at the tail end of the lottery is a center out of Arkansas by the name of Daniel Gafford. He looks like he looks like a college Clint Capella to me, really. Um, he's he's probably going to continue adding uh, muscle and weight to his frame. Uh, he's a little slight right now, but he looks uh, he looks like a player who wants to just run the floor, uh, get rebounds, and catch lobs. Uh, he's not really a shooter, so that's why I say he looks a lot like Clint Capella as a rim runner. Um, he blocks shots. He's not the strongest rebounder, but he does get rebounds. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily a Steven Adams type or anything like that, where muscles and blocks out guys, but he's a good enough rebounder. He runs the floor extremely well. Uh, he's an athlete. He's a 6'11 athlete, and I think he's a for sure. You can't miss on him. Uh, but you're not going to expect him to be a superstar. So that's kind of how some of the college basketball prospects are shaping up right now. Uh, it looks to be an okay draft. I don't think it's going to have amazing upside, but I think there are a lot of good players and a lot of potentially good finds in there. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this look across the sports universe today. I certainly enjoyed vamping to you about it. This has been one of my favorite episodes to date. I really hope you stick with me and uh, continue to listen to further podcasts in the future. Uh, This has been Sports and Whatnot. Thank you so much, guys.